Welcome to Telling the Tale. It's a podcast about Telltale games in which we're going to go through and play every single one of Telltale's episodic games released between the years of 2004 and 2018 when they were an active video game developer. And I'm Mitchell Farley Wolf, but it's not just me. I'm also here, as per always, with Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? You know what, Mitch? It's going great. I really got to hand it to you. You make a good podcast. Hands are involved in this episode of uh, yeah, they are. Tales of Monkey Island. In fact, that is Tales of Monkey Island Episode 2, The Siege of Spinner K, released originally on August 20th, 2009, written and directed by Mark Darren, and designed by Darren, Stemmel, Jordan, Ferguson, Rodkin, and Will Armstrong. Let's talk about it. I would love to. Something interesting about this episode, Mitch. Okay. So, I hadn't played this game in a long time, it's, uh, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. I consider this one of my favorite Telltale games, but I haven't, I think I played it like once, maybe twice, years ago. But, you know, I love seeing what other people have to say about it as well. Um, and I feel like every time I go to see, this is usually considered the worst episode. I believe it. <laughs> Were you not a big fan? Yeah, I mean, it... I didn't hate it, but it also really didn't do much for me. I feel yeah. Okay, we can get into it. Yeah, and I kind of felt that way a little bit about the last episode, too. The last episode at least had some build-up for uh, larger ideas, like the, this pox and uh, finding a lane and this the, the whole Gulf of Melange as an area is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of that stuff is cool, and I'm excited to see that pay out inevitably um but like yeah these individual episodes so far feel probably because monkey island itself feels like a a very typical adventure game because it is responsible for influencing a lot of what came after it Mm -hmm. uh these episodes kind of just feel like oh that was that was like a this feels really in, in bad faith but i i'm trying to i'm struggling to think of a better metaphor of like oh that was the cvs brand store brand of coca-cola it's not coca-cola um where like every other telltale game is like oh this is a specific thing we're doing this is the this is the generic core of what a telltale game is okay Um, okay at least before walking dead um all right and there are many there are many moments in the episode where I think it, like, finds footing and has an exciting bit and has, uh, like, it's reaching for something more. And I remember this game getting there eventually uh, and actually reaching those places. But, yeah, for the this episode especially, um, I was kind of just walking away from it feeling like, yeah, that was an episode of an adventure game. And I'll talk to Dustin about it. and that that'll be that'll be the day okay i i i get that um i actually liked this one better than the last episode and that's coming from someone who actually really enjoyed the last episode okay yeah i think i would prefer the last episode if only because um flotsam island i like i like the island as a setting more than i like 
most of these islands this is an island hopping episode you uh get to go to a bunch of different islands which is a cool premise in and of itself but most of the places that you go in my opinion feel very single purpose yeah a, a good chunk of them are pretty uh, there's like a couple of them you don't even really have to go to yeah but but I like a lot about, um, like, I like the main island. I like uh, Spinner K a lot. I, li- I think the visuals are very nice. Um, I-, I like the Mer People Society. I, you know, one thing I did not like, though. Okay. Um, another jungle puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was the one thing where I'm like, really? And another one of these? Hmm. So. In the Gulf of Melange, there is one... The Gulf of Melange is already an archipelago, but there's a mini archipelago within it called uh, the Jerkbait Islands. And within the Jerkbait Islands, there is Spoon Island, which has... (laughs) Yeah, exactly what you just said. It's another... (laughs) it's, It's another jungle puzzle. Like, the jungle works the same way. Except this jungle puzzle isn't like... Oh, it's it's non-deterministic. It can put you anywhere, and you need to follow the the cues. It's not like that. It's just actually a maze. That yeah, it's you need just to a like, layout you have to navigate. You just need to brute force your way through and remember the way that it works, which is yeah. not cool. Yeah, that part I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah. Um. Y- you know what? You know what's <laughs> a little bit affecting my mood about this uh, episode that it, <laughs> it's possibly not entirely this episode's fault. Um, what is it, Mitch? <laughs> Lay I it was, on me. I was getting ready to hop on this recording, not but 20 minutes ago or so. Uh-huh. Um, and I, <laughs> I had finished the episode and I was thinking like, yeah, that was an episode. And then I'm putting together my notes, putting the, the weekly guy and golden moment and whatever in my notes. And then I get a text. <laughs> I get a text from my sister Peyton, who messages me and says, "Hey, I'm gonna walk the dog." And then, uh, like one minute later, I get a second text from Peyton that says, "A bird pooped on the dog." <laughs> <laughs> Which that is... was a fast story. <laughs> <laughs> the, the... <laughs> Especially because it's Peyton, and I know that uh, listeners of the show probably don't know Peyton, but uh, the idea that she <laughs> she's taking the dog out, which she doesn't normally do, she was doing me a favor, really, and <laughs> just immediately, like a bird shits on the dog, like you have to <laughs> you have to have a coordinated attack for that to even happen. <laughs> that bird was had been planning for weeks. <laughs> I'm just picturing her face when she's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Where does this go? I don't here? I don't even know how to fix this. I I don't know if the dog would care. I <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, wow, and I can I, I can see how that might uh, affect your mood a little bit. Yeah, that story is so funny and I love it so much that this episode is like a much smaller part of my day. <laughs> Well, thanks, bird who pooped on the dog. 
I'm just, I'm just imagining. I still have not seen them since this happened, um, but I'm just imagining Colton just sitting there with bird shit on his back, giving me the sometimes eyes that dogs do sometimes <laughs> when they're looking off to the side but not turning their head. And he's, I would know he's just wondering, like, hey, what, what's gonna happen about this? <laughs> what's to be done? What's to be done here? Uh, do i kill the bird is it fine i don't is it how much of an offense is this i i i I guess i gotta gotta get some sort of revenge um okay my story's not as my story's not as good as that but i did get a cinnamon roll before the episode so maybe that colored my it, my opinion as well. Maybe it put me in such a good mood that I was like, you know what? This is a good day. Okay, okay. Maybe I should have tried the cinnamon ro- approach. Oh, what I did do is, uh, you remember cream savers? Y- yeah. Hey, you remember cream savers? I went to <laughs> oh, a, I went to a candy store downtown last night, and I found that they are selling rolls of cream savers again. The first cream savers wow. I've eaten in like. 15 years probably because they were gone for a very long time so i enjoyed a roll of uh the strawberry flavored cream savers while i powered through this episode and uh that's awesome dustin it was a delight it was a culinary treat yeah i got sour patch kids last night i mean that not anything to do with this episode but they were really good just on the subject of candy um how how uh this is definitely what we want to be talking about right now uh how good is your mouth at powering through the sour like do you get canker sores easy i used to i feel like i don't anymore it's only if something's like super super sour like i can't do sour uh skittles for example mm, though yeah, yeah, those yeah. i feel like really destroy your mouth but sour patch kids i think are fine i think with the skittles too it's it's like they're they're sharp yeah so, like they they cut into the side. Um, exactly. I can't, I can't do those no more. I love candy so much. I really do. I enjoy it a lot, <laughs> but I I do tend to get canker sores uh when I'm abusing my trust in my mouth. <laughs> it's been misplaced and now you have to suffer the consequences. Should we uh talk about Monkey Island? Yeah. Okay. Uh so episode 2 the Siege of Spinner K where we left off with episode 1 was Guybrush was at Sword Point, and wouldn't you know it, it was the person who was foreshadowed multiple times last episode, Morgan LaFlay. Wow. Uh, Morgan LaFlay is a an assassin for hire who is a, a hit woman mostly for taking down pirates. That's like her whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I really like Morgan LaFlay. She's great. She's like, immediately from this scene, she's like an iconic Monkey Island character. Oh, yeah. Um, so not only is she like a, a just a hit person, which is already a cool trope for just genre fiction in general, um, but she is a really big fan of guy brushes. I, I thought that was a very fun idea, the idea that... Uh, a goof like Guybrush Threepwood can have fans. Yeah. I, I don't think that's been a thing up until this point. Everyone just kind of sees Guybrush as this loser pirate. Uh, but now you have someone who's like, he, yeah, Guybrush's biggest fan. That's great. 
Well, through all the LucasArts Monkey Island games, yeah, you're right. Uh, except maybe Escape, but who knows. <laughs> uh, uh, ooh, I have an airplane. Whoa. It's right here. This I episode's about pirates, crash. not air. Go away, plane. Yeah, unless you're talking space pirates, in which case, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, stay uh, on brand. Stay on brand. But yeah, at, at this point, with this being the fifth Monkey Island game, and ten years after, or nine years after the previous Monkey Island game, I like the idea that Telltale's looked at the arc of Guybrush Threepwood, and everything that he was trying to do over and over and over again in the first two games mostly, uh, and then also curse a little bit, which is just like, hey, I'm a dorky little dweeb, but I want to be a pirate. I took down LeChuck. I want, and like in Monkey Island 2, I think this comes out a lot, where he took down LeChuck, and he's just trying to tell everyone all the time, I'm the guy that took down LeChuck! And people and they're like, are yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like the fourth time you told me. I just said... Uh, yeah. Gets cooler every time. I don't know who Leduc is. It's uh, <laughs> it's all right. Um, and then he finds the the treasure of Big Whoop in uh, Monkey Island Two, and I think he tries telling people about that similarly in Curse of Monkey Island. Um, and in this game, like it's finally been enough time that it wouldn't make sense really for him to keep being that way, even if people would view him as uh, like a dweeb. He would be a famous dweeb uh, mm-hmm. at this point that people would people just would know about. Um, and Morgan LeFlay, like you could imagine that she grew up with Guybrush posters on her wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> she she loves this guy. Uh, she's she's talking. You're you're the guy that brought down LeChuck and you found Big Whoop and you did all this other stuff. And uh, like everything that he's always tried to make happen for himself, which is just, I want to be a pirate that people know about and tell stories about. Uh, it happened. It's This is like the physical embodiment of everything he's ever wanted. And she wants to kill Guybrush. Uh, yeah. Because the Marquis Lassange told her to do that. Yeah. She says, look, Guybrush, you're great, but I got a job to do. Yeah. Uh, the Marquis de Sange wanted... Uh, Guybrush's hand but uh, we later find out that he's not satisfied with just the hand and he needs the entire bod uh, because he he's got the pox Guybrush. within him yeah it's it spread um, we also find later in this episode that you don't need to have visible, visible pox in order to have pox yeah I guess if it's like visible that means it's like really really set setting in because the people who have the pox seem to be uh well ex- ex- other than uh mcgillicuddy's men they're they're not too bad but they're still kind of ornery but then uh-huh. like mcgillicuddy's really bad so i i do feel like if you have visible signs then you're probably pretty far along i i think that's probably right Mm-hmm. Do you know who voices Morgan LaFlay? Nikki Rapp. I looked it up because it's a, yeah. a very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't recognize it. Um, I, I, it doesn't sound. It does sound very. Uh, this again comes out like an insult, and I don't want it to. But it's like a very voice actory voice. <laughs> um, like this is this is what a. a young adult female fan of Guybrush sounds like 
like in a in a lab created this voice to be exactly <laughs> that character. Do you want to know who else she voices in a Telltale game that we played? Yeah, we talked about it a bunch. Um, yeah, but it's not. Hang on, I will remember. <laughs> okay, baby Amelia Earhart. Wrong. I. Are you sure? No, but that's think not I'm who right. I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, what game? Uh, Walking Dead. Is it Clementine? No. No. Is it Bonnie? No. <sighs> uh is it lily yes it is lily okay gotcha and also she is not she is not baby amelia Earhart. baby amelia is a thessaly learner i've never seen that name before always get those mixed up yeah um I, I really like the idea of a character who's just, like, a huge fan of the player character and, and uh, will even kind of fangirl out about it for a moment, but is still definitely on a mission to get Guybrush's hand and will not <laughs> back down from it. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting, because she's still a an antagonist, but uh, she still really likes you. Yeah. Yeah, and at some point... You can kind of like just try to ask her, "Hey, do you want to like join my crew and stop trying to kill me? Because that'd be fine." And <laughs> she is like, "That would be wonderful." Uh, but no, I gotta like finish a job. You can't just not finish a job. <laughs> yeah, it's like the pirate hunter's code. <laughs> yeah, talk about people who are slaves to capitalism. You, you're just gonna give up on your <laughs> dreams because you had a job to fulfill. Come on, you sheep. You sheep. Look at all these sheeple. <laughs> Um, I do like this intro part where you're sword fighting her and kind of got to uh, move around. Uh, there's not a whole lot to the puzzle, but it starts things off on an exciting note. Yeah. Um, in in the middle of it all, your hand is cut off and you find uh, Morgan's hook that she used to climb onto your ship. And you basically just slap that hook into your raw bone and flesh in order to connect a uh, a hook hand permanently. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. <laughs> and the hand is still alive, too. You see the seagull, like, trying to bite it, and the hand's, like, jumping. Yeah, the hand is, is still full of the pox and is still evil voodoo magic, uh, so you don't want to... You, you, you don't really want to be friends with it, but it, it's probably better than an amputation. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but she I, takes the hand and she leaves. Yeah. So now you just have a hook hand, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, if I remember right, I remember interviews uh, where Ron Gilbert said that was his favorite thing they did with Guybrush. Give him a hook hand? Yeah. Chop that hand off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we talked about losing a hand? In, in... <laughs> at least the once. At least. Yeah. This is the second episode. So that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> Lee lost a hand. That's true. If you think about it. I, I, di- I did think about it when it happened. I was like, oh, that ha- also happened in The Walking Dead Season 1. Homestar lost both his hands. Yeah. <laughs> at some indeterminate time in the past. As far as we know. Yeah. I hope nobody emancipates me from these striped hands. <laughs> striped hands. Um, 
<laughs> as you can go around on the ship while you're fighting Morgan Le Fleur, uh, if you click on the mast of your ship, Guybrush just says, that's the mast of my ship. And then Morgan says, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know what a mast like is. That. Um, and, and as soon as she leaves to bring the hand back to the marquee, you have a lot of options open up. Uh, you can go anywhere on the map in the uh, Gulf of Melange, including you can try to go back to Flotsam Island, which doesn't work. Uh, you can try to go to any of the islands within the Jerkbait Islands, but only Spinner K is open at first. Uh, you can try to go back to the Rock of Gelato, but Guybrush says, I actually don't like it there because I lost a hand and my wife. <laughs> uh, so I don't want to I'm go sure back. you can understand not wanting to go back. And then you can go to three tiny islands that don't have anything on them. So in a sense, you actually don't have a lot of options. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like the whole space of the episode is open immediately, which is, is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the gatedness around like, I wish you could just go to the different jerkbait islands. I understand why you can't, because they want you to have a... Like, the intro on Spinner K is Mm -hmm. important narratively. But I really wish you could kind of just go there to all the other ones. Uh, Yeah, I wish I could do the jungle maze first. Yeah, everyone wants to get that jungle maze either out of the way or done first because they like it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Love that jungle maze. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go to Spinner K, you'll f- find two things. One, it's entirely populated by m- mermaids, which is great. We love that. Yeah. Um, um they're called Vacalians. Vacalians, which seems like if I were Monkey Island, I would have done a pun there. And maybe it is a pun, but I don't understand it if it is. Um, I don't really get how like what it ties into but i kept thinking of vacay like vacation yeah i did too um but it doesn't really tie into being mer people at all they also had a lot of lore that didn't come up which was like a long time ago we were mermaids and then (laughs) which is a weird start to lore because that's what they are now also but then they had the era of terra firma where they all started walking on land for a bit but then they wanted to be mermaids again, so they got rid of their legs and got tails again. Um, yeah. And, like, multiple people can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. And it, it doesn't come up, but you just, it's important to know. It's just a fun little bit of world building. Yeah. Um, but more importantly to Guybrush, uh, you need to repair the mast of your ship here. And also, you find that Elaine is here. Oh, beautiful! The beautiful Elaine Marley from the other game. What, what do you think about Elaine's uh, role in this episode? Um, I wish she did more in it. She doesn't really do that much, but I—it's good to see her. She's so she is trying to keep the peace between. Uh, What's the name? Captain uh, McGillicuddy and Captain Chieftain McGillicuddy Beluga. and Chieftain Beluga. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I like that she's uh here keeping the peace between the two. We're trying to. She's trying to find a solution. Captain McGillicuddy wants the uh, su- summoning items, 
Uh, Chieftain Beluga does not want to give them to Captain McGillicuddy for good reason. A classic uh, he said, she said. Yeah, and uh, Elaine is like, <laughs> I really like some of the um, compromises Elaine comes up yeah. with. She's like, yeah. she's like, can't you just tell him like part of the summoning words and he can just take half the sponge? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's three summoning items. These summoning items will summon La Sponge Grande, which is the thing that could potentially suck up all the pox in uh in the archipelago and is really the only cure for if you have the pox mm-hmm. um this is revealed later in the episode to be exactly what captain mcgillicuddy actually doesn't want you're supposed to think at first that he wants this because he wants to not have the pox anymore because he's green he's full of pox Ew. energy he looks evil uh he he looks like he's not enjoying his time but in fact, he's loving it uh, and wants to go see the sponge so he can destroy the sponge. Yeah, he thinks it's the new golden age of piracy. He thinks, uh, arr, this is what being a pirate's about and you can't destroy it. Yeah, obviously. Very interesting uh, Sea of Thieves parallels here with uh, like leaning into the curse that you have and thinking about what the golden age of piracy should look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun ideas there. I played Sea of Thieves this morning with our friends. Uh, How did so that a lot go? of pipe. It went uh, pretty well, actually. Uh, they were saying beforehand, uh, this new adventure can uh, it can go south very easily, but uh, it went pretty smoothly, and it was a uh, it was a good time. So <laughs> I've had a lot of pirates going on today. Everyone loves when the <laughs> narrative stuff can go wrong really easily. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> in this in this game, the narrative is just gonna happen, no matter. Yeah, luckily, what. luckily, you can't get griefed by other players in this game. Um. So, yeah, I I I, uh, I concur with what you were saying. The compromises that Elaine tries to push forward here maybe show that, like, I don't know whether I was ever supposed to think Elaine is a good or bad governor, actually. You know? Yeah, we don't really see her do much. We we know she's a pretty kick-ass, like, action star pirate, but maybe she's not so great with situations where she actually has to talk to the people. <laughs> yeah, because this seems bad. <laughs> yeah, she uh, says, like, m- maybe we can just all take one of the summoning items each. Yeah, there's three of us, three summoning <laughs> items, we'll just walk away. yeah it doesn't occur to her that uh in no way would that work in no way does this help any person here um i mean it kind of it it kind of works though because what uh she eventually tells guybrush is she's just stalling while guybrush is supposed to go actually collect all three of the things Mm -hmm. uh while she keeps both of these people who would want Guybrush to not do this, um, distracted with her very bad compromising tactics. So, oh, okay, so she's doing the bad ideas on purpose to drag it out longer. Potentially. I I don't know if that's exactly how it's supposed to be read, but... I could see it. I I feel like Elaine's competent enough that she could put put together a plan like that. But I also just think it's funny that she just has the worst suggestions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's good. (laughs) Um, um what do you think of spinner k it's cool it's a it's like a one room it's a big room but like a one room environment 
where most of the interesting things in this episode are going to happen. Yeah, I I like this area a lot. It, it the visuals, I just like the idea behind it that it's this uh this island where all the merfolk live and they have little uh like they have a library, they have a bait and repair shop. Uh it's just and a those nice are the two place. things they have. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's those two things. <laughs> that that's all you need. Yeah, uh so there's a lot of masturbation puns in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So at the bait and repair shop, you fix your mast and get bait. Uh, so mast and bait, it's, it's right there. And anytime you talk about, um, hey, Anemone, that's the uh, that's the name of the, the merfolk who runs that shop. Can you fix my mast? And she'll always have something to say. She'll always <laughs> she'll always steer it in a in a direction. You're not supposed yeah. to take it too far, Anemone. You you've really you you really Great made joke. it weird. Good job. <laughs> really funny. You you mer people sure uh, have some good jokes. Um, but yeah, one of the reasons you need to go there is to fix the mast on your ship, which is easy as just doing it. You just tell her, "Hey, can you fix it?" And she says, "It is done." Yeah. Um. I would say that's kind of a lame, boring way, but it does tie into a puzzle later, at least. It does, yeah, a, a little bit, and also I'm kind of at the point where, like, I don't think this episode needed more puzzle padding. I don't think that's yeah. what it wanted from, like, a design point of view. I think what this episode maybe needed was, like, just a little bit more... um. A, a little bit more depth to the things that you're doing um, w- without necessarily turning everything into a puzzle. Okay. Uh, because there are... I wrote down a series... I have on, on my notes here, like, three in a row um, puzzles that I did have to look up. Ooh, um, three in a row. Yeah, you know, if, if I wasn't... Uh, if I had a little bit more time to just really sink my brain into it i i probably would have let these linger but i really don't think that i would have gotten these ever um which which ones so there's a uh there's a toy manatee in dakava's <laughs> tent now dakava's tent that's a whole thing on Roe island you find that the person who is uh who you've been trying to find who's been looking for los punta grande has a tent full of their stuff uh and one of those things there is like a mechanical toy manatee yeah um and what you're supposed to do is put the sponge locket that uh, the voodoo lady gave you of her and Dakava into a very specific like part of the manatee and I didn't mm. see that there was a hole there, and I didn't. I I would not never have clocked that the hole was that same shape as the sponge locket, nor would have, nor would it have made sense ever for me to think like, well, yeah, you could put the sponge locket in the manatee, of course. Um, that that all of that is nothing to me, uh, but you do need to put the locket in the manatee, and then it prints out a receipt. Which is a, <laughs> a further 
wild thing, which is that <laughs> it's just a blank piece of paper that you need to look at with a red light, uh, which you create out of that, like, the eye of the manatee, which is a, that's a good hint. It's the eye of the manatee. Uh, but it's too small once you do that, so you need to combine the eye of the manatee with a, uh, a fisheye lens in order to make it a magnifying glass and uh, all-seeing eye glass thing. And then you read that it's the name of a joke book, and then if you go <laughs> get the joke book from the library, the joke book has a coupon for worms inside. And then you can go get the worms. And it doesn't. Yeah. None of this helps you even know what to do with the worms. Not, like even if I could somehow figure out how to start any of that, uh, like never. I would never have gotten that. Never. Um. I maybe it's just because I played it once a long time ago, but I didn't have a problem with any of these. <laughs> well, yeah, I I did remember but... some of the stuff. Um. I, I remembered that I needed to melt down the pyrite parrot. Yeah, um, that I definitely remembered. I remembered it, it was because it, it's just a, a sort of memorable little puzzle. I don't know if I would have remembered I need to do it um, otherwise. And I also don't know if I would have remembered, especially, that you need to drop the molten pyrite, once you do melt it down, off a cliff face into a mold at the bottom of the cliff, and you can't just walk there. Yeah, that one I ha- did have to look up. <laughs> that I one is some bullshit, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I Even though I did enjoy this episode, it, it does have its flaws. Yeah, I, I think with the locket, the sponge locket and the manatee toy thing, um, it's foreshadowing of something we're not supposed to know yet, but I think it's sort of obvious so maybe we can just talk about it okay la sponja grande is inside the manatee um i think so it, it's been a while but yeah uh, I, i'm actually right. not entirely sure either but i think putting the sponge locket inside the manatee like where its stomach is in in the toy is uh foreshadowing foreshadowing of how at the end of this episode we are eaten by a, a leviathan manatee, a giant <laughs> honker of a bud, uh, I love just that. slurps us up, and a, a, a big part of it, the of uh, episode three, the layer of the leviathan, if I remember correctly, does take place inside the leviathan, a mm-hmm. a, a, a manatee's stomach. So I, I do bet that's where we'll find it. I really love that giant manatee since I feel like giant sea monsters is not something they do a whole lot of in Monkey Island. Yeah, Monkey Island is very human-centered, I I think, for the most part. Uh, There's not a lot of... Like, there is a lot of magic and voodoo and ghosts and zombies and demon-ish things. But Mm -hmm. those things are all... um, like with an eye toward humanity humans cause the zombies humans cause the uh, yeah magic so so this having a leviathan is uh is interesting in and of itself i've actually been doing a lot of research on the cultural concept of the leviathan dustin wow. uh, that had nothing to do with this episode good homework yeah 
um, a lot of it is uh, religious blasphemy, if you are a believer. Oh. So I probably won't get into it. But there's interesting okay. stuff to, to know about <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, check it out on your own. Yeah, look up, uh, look up Google. <laughs> uh, so you, you go yeah. around, you need to collect all three of these gold summoning items. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I I really don't feel like I remembered that you were supposed to put the locket in the manatee, but I also, it just, I guess it just made sense. I guess it was the shape of the hole. I did notice the hole on it. And I, I just, I guess I, I, I really don't think I just remembered that's what you're supposed to do. I forgot about that. So I don't know. I guess it, uh, I just saw the shape of the locket and figured, put it in. I didn't even really recognize it as a hole. Um, and I think part of that is just because La Sponja Grande is not that distinctive of a shape. Mm-hmm. It's kind of potatular. It potatular. <laughs> that's uh, a good word. And, and it's just sort of lumpy. And that's uh, that's not like an instantly recognizable, oh, that, that's the shape. That's the thing. Uh, so that, that bit's kind of hard. Uh, I feel ya. Yeah. Anyway, you go around. There's there's some great uh, puzzles, just iconic, memorable puzzles that I definitely <laughs> remember for all three of these summoning items. Uh, but I think the biggest one is probably the uh, the turtle, mm-hmm. in which you'll uh, run into your old pal LeChuck. Ooh, but LeChuck's not not quite as you remember him, is he, Mitchell? No, he's not. He's uh, he's human. He's, he's wow. human, just like in the last episode. Uh, and he's kind, and he's trying to insist to Guybrush that they're on the same side now. Uh, the pox has completely left his body. He's no longer voodoo evil. Now he's voodoo-less neutral. And <laughs> uh, he's he's just trying to figure out a puzzle on his own, which I think is a fun uh, like character beat for him of like, well, Guybrush is always going around figuring out puzzles, and I just kill people when I don't get what I want. So I should try hmm. puzzles. Puzzles are the good guy thing. I uh, I did love this part. I I know the puzzles are not the best they could be in this episode, but this part I thought was fun. Uh, yeah. So I I wanted to ask you, Dustin. You are a big fan of LeChuck. What do you think of human LeChuck? I love Human LeChuck. I uh, I think his performance is very good. Uh, he's voiced by Kevin Blackton, and he good he does a great job of sounding like LeChuck but different. And I think the design I buy it as like okay, this is what LeChuck looked like before. Um, and I just love how jovial he sounds. Like he, yeah. it's it's a weird case where he feels like he has the same energy as. Uh, Demon LeChuck, but doing it in a nicer, uh, jolly way. He's still very up here, very uh, performative with what he's saying. He's very Brian he... Blessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's it's almost one of those like we couldn't get Patrick Warburton for Sal the Cockroach, so we're just gonna get someone to do Patrick Warburton. Um, and I, I feel like that might be this for Brian Blessed a little bit. Okay. Um, 
I, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, but yeah, he does a great job. And I really like that he sells uh, the sincerity of human LeChuck. Like, you can tell he really wants to get this puzzle thing. It's really important to him that he knows how to do these puzzles like Guybrush does. Yeah, you have no idea at this point as a player. Um, and I actually kind of forget. So I'm I'm in the position of playing for the first time again, I guess. Uh, I forget... Whether or not LeChuck's uh, kindness is sincere, I mm-hmm. don't remember. Um, and you're not supposed to know at this point. Yeah. Uh, he's he's like, saying even like, Guybrush is very uh, hesitant. He's like, mm, I still don't trust this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's more than hesitant. He's trying to do the thing. Like Elaine tells him, hey, just let LeChuck do it. He's fine. And Guybrush is mostly going to say like, um... No, uh, but I no. will talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I mean, Guybrush is justified. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like it makes sense for him not to trust LeChuck. One thing I, I really like about this episode is that Elaine tells Guybrush um, at one point, a little later on, after you meet LeChuck the first time. Uh, that the plan for getting past a blockade that Captain McGillicuddy sets up is to um, have Guybrush distract the blockade with island side cannon fire and have LeChuck sail through the weak part of the blockade while they're distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, and Guybrush says, hey, I understand that LeChuck is physically bigger and stronger than me. It might be, in that way, a better candidate for this. But you gotta not trust LeChuck. I'm gonna do it... I'm gonna be the one that goes through the the defense. And I'm gonna have LeChuck be the person distracting them. And Elaine says, no, just do what I say. And actually goes into, like, a pox-ridden anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really liked this episode giving Guybrush the agency to just say I respect Elaine I think she's making a good point a lot of the time this is legit a bad idea and I will just go ahead and do it and I'll tell LeChuck that he's the one that's supposed to be distracting them yeah I uh, mean and it works out it that bit is not like turned against Guybrush for comedic mm-hmm. effect which I like yeah I, up until now I feel like LeChuck is, or Guybrush is always, um, I I don't want to say he's, like, incompetent, but up until now, you get the idea that, uh, okay, LeChuck, or, ah, I keep mixing up LeChuck and Guybrush. Guybrush is, uh, goofy, and Elaine knows what she's doing. Yeah. So, so no matter what Guybrush says, if Guybrush was going to trust LeChuck, or not trust LeChuck, like I, I think in a in a previous game or maybe in in a, in worse hands, they would have just made Guybrush wrong no matter what, <laughs> and yeah, uh, like it'll be turned on its head and it it won't necessarily feel fair. It'll probably be silly and funny, but like it, the the integrity of like well you should have trusted uh, LeChuck won't be there because it it'll just whichever one Guybrush does is wrong. Uh, and in this game, 
Guybrush is given a little bit of his own, like, hey, you know, I I do understand that I should not let Guy, uh, not let LeChuck do this, even if he's fine. It's just not worth it. Yeah, that's something I kind of noticed when playing uh, Curse of Monkey Island is Guybrush is a little bit more of a doormat in it. Like, in Monkey Island 1 and 2, he he's still a doofus, but he he kind of does have that agency. In 2, he's kind of an asshole in places. So, and then in 3, they kind of uh, soften him up a little bit. They make him uh, more... He's always the butt of the joke, but in three especially, he feels like, oh, I'm just kind of this wimpy guy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I I like how here he feels like, no, Elaine, I love you, but I feel like this is probably the wrong way to go about it. I feel like we should do it this way. And it really does make Guybrush feel uh, like a stronger protagonist than he had been up until then because mm-hmm. i i feel like they kind of miss out they feel like oh well if guybrush is you know the goofy loser we really got to emphasize what a goofy loser he is and make him uh a little more pathetic in these than he should be and here i feel like they're kind of taking that back which yeah. is nice what i think is interesting about ron gilbert's guybrush threepwood which is just the first two games um and i guess the upcoming return is that in those games guybrush is a dweeb and is he gets stuff wrong all the time but he like fails upward he he doesn't <laughs> usually uh like mess everything up he usually does stuff wrong and then like it magically works out for him mm-hmm. uh like he completely the reason Elaine Marley is even into Guybrush is because he accidentally ignored her and forgot about her for a bit between the games <laughs> 1 and 2 uh, which was, I guess, like the magical thing that Elaine really wanted from the guy. <laughs> of course. It's a little bit 1990s. It's a little bit <laughs> uh, behind the times. Uh, but but yeah, and, and like the Elaine being in love with Guybrush, it, it feels almost completely accidental from Guybrush's point of view. <laughs> Actually, that's something I wanted to ask you about. How do you feel about Guybrush and Elaine as a couple? Um, it's been so long. I do wish that I played Curse before starting the series. Uh, because it's been so long since I played Curse, and I've never played Escape, just like you. Um, and I don't really remember the, uh, the intermediate bits of their relationship between Monkey Island 2, where she likes him a lot, but, like... It wasn't going to work out. And Tales, where they're long already been married. Yeah. Um, the reason I bring it up is because I remember Ron Gilbert saying, I forget if it was in an interview or like on his blog or something, but he said that's one of the things he didn't like was Guybrush and Elaine getting together. Yeah. He, the way he described it was uh, Elaine loves Guybrush like a brother and nothing more. But... I gotta be honest, I actually really like uh, Guybrush and Elaine together. Uh, I think it's cute. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that read of his game. Like, I don't... Yeah. That doesn't seem like what Monkey Island 2 was about. 
Yeah, and and let me just say it's also been I I remember reading that a long time ago, so maybe I am not remembering like nuances to what he said, but that's that's what I remember him saying. Yeah, my my memory of Monkey Island Two is that Monkey Island One, you do the thing where you save Elaine Marley, even though you realize last minute, oh, she actually didn't need to be saved. Yeah, uh, which is you know that that's a classic, and then in in, in Monkey Island Two. Like, apparently, he just sort of left and did piracy um, and abandoned her. <laughs> and she started being a governor on a different island um, mm. because she's just she's just like an experienced governor for various things. She's like, oh, can I be the governor of here? I'm like, oh, yeah, we were looking for a governor. <laughs> um, what a coincidence. We just happen to be needing a governor. So if Guybrush uh, finds her at her governor's house uh she's like i i was so into you and then you just left and uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let myself get distracted with you again and i'm but then you without you doing anything she kind of talks herself into like okay you got me i can never say no from you i can never stay away from you uh so it definitely seemed like she was very into guybrush but guybrush was and guybrush was probably very into her but also, he just messed up this relationship frequently uh, yeah. and is a bad person. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, very different from the way that they are portrayed later, but in a different way than, than her not liking him romantically. That doesn't seem like how it was written. Yeah, I agree. And also, I, I just like... We talked about how Guybrush is kind of this loser doofus. Um, I like him. Have I like Elaine just loving him for it, and like I like the idea that there's someone who's like besides Morgan Lafay introduced now. I like the idea that there is someone who's who is Guybrush's biggest fan. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, I. I do like that um, Elaine, especially in this episode, in the first episode, you have to, or at least from Guybrush's point of view, you have to rescue Elaine, which is, I, I don't like that because most of the time, you never actually have to rescue Elaine. It like They put Elaine in the game as sort of reference to Peach or Zelda of, like, you need to save the princess, go, go save the, the governor. Uh, but mm-hmm. she is fine. Um, and in most of the cases, they don't even really put her in that position. She's just like that kind of character. But no, she's fine the whole time. Uh, and in episode one of this game, they really do have Guybrush come from a point of like, I need to save my wife. Which is yeah. uh, like the first time that's ever really happened in the Monkey Island series. And even in the cold open, it looks like that was already kind of the situation she was in. She was tied up on LeChuck's ship. Yeah, you could. It didn't look like she had like a plan behind the scenes or anything. Yeah, this is the weakest we've ever seen Elaine um, in episode one of Tales. But by episode two, Elaine's clearly fine, doing her own thing. I like that she is just married to Guybrush. There's no like, oh, let's get this relationship going. It's not like a, a, a pressure to get something started or, or to make something happen. They're just already married. They're fine. 
Um, yeah. And she's just doing her own thing. She's got chores to do on these islands, just the same way Guybrush does. Yeah, and I like that uh, Guybrush... Res- well, Guybrush does want to get out of there, but he respects that Elaine has her own uh, stuff going on. Yeah, right. Um, so with with Elaine and LeChuck sort of being on the periphery in this uh, episode... There's a lot of time for Guybrush to just talk with mermaids and members of Captain McGillicuddy's crew. Um, what, what, what do you think of these background characters? Um, I like some of them. I feel like some of them are not so strong. Uh, I think the merfolk are great. I uh, really like the concept with them. They're, so the idea behind the merfolk is they're uh, very androgynous. You don't know uh, what gender any of them are, and that's just fine. That's that's just how they are. And they're yeah. great. They're entertaining characters. Sort of, though, right? Like I, They do sort of push that idea, but also they mostly all have like female presenting voice actresses yeah um in, in but a way i think i think kind of i think kind of feels like it defeats that idea to me a little bit kind of i could see that um i know elaine specifically says uh beluga is male oh does she yeah okay i, I might have missed that yeah she says uh he a few times okay um yeah, and then the librarian I, I think is is uh, presented in, in a in a very interesting way in in that regard anemone? as well. Oh no, no not anemone. Is, uh, other... Tetra. This is Tetra. Yeah. Yeah, Tetra. Who the name Tetra? I've only experienced in Wind Waker. Um, mm-hmm. Is it a name from other things? Is there the name Tetra out there in the world? I'm not sure. I mean, I would assume so. What is a Tetra? The only, I I also only know the one from Wind Waker. I'm going to look up the name Tetra and see if it's like an ocean thing. Okay, that's a good idea. Too hard to look up. Um, <laughs> because there's a lot of things called Tetra. Cool. Okay, wait, 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 wait. No, Tetra is the common name of many small freshwater fish. Mm, um, okay. They come. Tetras come from Africa, Central America, and South America, belonging to the biological family Caracadi. Uh, Caracadi. All right. <laughs> so so it's basically just a kind of fish. Yeah, it's a kind of fish. It's like a small That's little cool. fish. We learned something here today. It's like calling someone guppy. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> something something that happens on this uh, in Spinner K in the Mermaid Town is Elaine catches Guybrush right, or, right before he's about to leave uh, and talks about how their wedding ring was on his voodoo hand, which is now gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I always... I remember thinking this, like, 13 years ago when I played this episode. It's like, Elaine, clearly there's bigger fish to fry right now. And it, it, it's, <laughs> it's this thing that happens in adventure games all the time, where, like, you, you don't care at all about the big stuff, and you care so much about the little stuff, and I just, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. It upsets me every time. <laughs> Um, it, 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 uh, it's annoying, but yeah, uh, Elaine takes an earring out of her ear and says, well, okay, you you can borrow this extra one. Uh, thanks, Elaine. (laughs) Thanks for letting me borrow your extra one. 
a very <laughs> normal thing to do, uh, and says, don't lose it. And I wrote here in my notes, I'm going to lose the hell out of this ring. I can't wait to lose this I ring. Can't lo- I can't lose this ring fast enough. <laughs> as soon as you turn your back, Elaine, guess where this ring's going? I need Into the to water. keep having this ring like a hole in my head. It's going to get lost. <laughs> so so you think it's building up to uh, Guybrush losing the ring? I it has to be right. I don't remember. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I do you remember what happens? Yes, okay. I one hundred percent remember what happens. Right. Um. Yeah, like the, I, the, <laughs> he kind of does a turn to camera and says, "Like who would be clumsy enough to lose a ring twice?" And then <laughs> the the parrot comes out and says, "I'm Guybrush Threepwood." Um. To <laughs> dial that bit home. They get a lot of that. They get a lot out of that parrot. I'm gonna lose the hell out of this ring. <laughs> uh, so yeah, eventually the blockade starts, and then uh, Captain McGillicuddy becomes the chief antagonist of the episode, where you're trying to get through his uh, blockade. You need to replace your mast with a palm tree in order for any cannons, cannonballs shot at it, to just return fire at the ship that shot it. A, an easy to understand puzzle for the whole family. <laughs> Even grandma's getting in on it. <laughs> uh, once you do that, you go back to uh, Chieftain Beluga, who tells you how to use the summoning items, which summon these like weird sea turtle seahorse hybrid that i love i love these guys (laughs) they're great you know what something i was gonna i was gonna bring it up earlier but i totally forgot it's when you were talking about uh the humanity aspect of monkey island it's interesting that just in this episode well it's i also haven't played escape so i don't know if they delved into this too but it feels like a lot of more fantasy elements come out in this one episode like you have the mer people you have the giant manatee you have these weird creatures how do you feel about these elements being added to a game series that uh for the most part seem to fit in with a more uh i don't want to say traditional pirate world but a a less uh fantasy based uh piratey setting well, it really gives this game in particular its own flavor, uh, which yeah. is a thing about the Monkey Island series. One and two are very similar to each other, uh, but then Curse is so different because it's hand animated and just has a very different vibe. Escape looks very different, and this game has its own vibe, and Returns looks like nothing uh, as well. So it's putting putting it outside of just the aesthetics and and also into like how does this world work how does it uh feel in a way that does still kind of line up with uh at least kind of line up with the feeling of uh monkey island's past being respected i like that quite a bit yeah same Uh, I, I feel like it uh, is a good way of evolving the world of Monkey Island. Because, yeah, in those earlier games, it is more, uh, like, historically accurate's not the word I'm looking for. But, well, like, yeah, it they're, feels they're... more real, I guess. Other other than, like, ghost pirates and and demons and the voodoo and stuff. Uh, but you never had, like, mythical creatures, like, people and these weird creatures. Yeah, in, in the first game, 
when you start it, it says Melee Island somewhere in the Caribbean, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the Carib- it's defining it by the real world location, the Caribbean Sea. Whereas in this game, they keep talking about the Gulf of Melange, which you intuit is probably in the Caribbean, but is a fake gulf. Like, that's not a real place. Yeah. Um, and also in the first game, if they were going to break reality, the way they do that is having, like, a used car salesman in... <laughs> Uh, in in the uh, golden age of piracy, sort of out of time, putting a um, like like a, a a soda machine in like like a can dispenser. What what are those called? What am I thinking? Uh, vending machine. Vending machine. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's been so long since I've seen a vending machine. It took me a second to really think about it. Yeah, you know, a soda box. Um, <laughs> one of them boxes that gives you soda for money what are the pepsi boxes called uh, <laughs> the the like they, you can put a vending machine in that world you put up uh like posters for a circus in, or in like a theme park and like their whole version the games one and two their version of breaking reality is to mix it with modernity uh yeah m- make it feel modern make it feel like oh it actually might be real at the end of Monkey Island 2 where uh, LeChuck just turns out to be Guybrush's brother Chuck and this whole thing is a dream that Guybrush had while being a modern day child. Sorry for spoiling Monkey Island 2 if you haven't gotten there, but it's been a long time. Uh, It's been over 30 years, so... You had your chance. Let's chill out about it. Uh, (laughs) You feel like... I don't know if that's definitely true, but it definitely might be true. Um, that it was uh, all just a dream of a modern day child. Whereas with this game, um, probably because that was not positively received at the time, uh, that Monkey Island 2 thing, every Monkey Island game after that has just like leaned further and further away from that idea and more just into like pretty base level fantasy uh, piratey stuff. Yeah, Act- there's something I want to get your thoughts on, Mitch. How do you feel about the ending to Monkey 2? About uh, the possibility that it was all just a dream from little child Guybrush? I like it a lot. Um, I mean, it, like, if... The the thing is, I I never interpreted the ending of Monkey 2 in the way that I think a lot of the detractors did, which it makes it very similar to the TV show Lost. Because, hey, Dustin, have you seen Lost? No. Well, if you if you talk to people who have seen Lost and don't like the end of Lost, they might often tell you it it just turned out they were all dead the whole time. That is in <laughs> fact not what happened in the show. And people mm. are just very commonly incorrect about that. Uh, <laughs> it it's very frustrating when like people are talking about this wonderful television show Lost, one of the goats in my opinion. And talking about the ending, like, ugh, they were just dead the whole time. They actually weren't. And it's good. It's good, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm convinced. So in in the same way, like, was it all a dream of Guybrush's? I don't think that's what Monkey Island 2 was supposed to be saying. Um, I think that, yeah. that LeChuck was, um, like, planting seeds in Guybrush's mind to try to, uh, like, destroy his psyche 
and remove mm-hmm. him from uh, trying to fight him anymore by convincing him that they were in a theme park in the future. Yeah, that's why I don't get when people say, like, it's, uh, like, taking it literally that guy, like, oh, it was all just a dream, Guybrush is actually a kid in modern day. Like, they straight up tell you it's not. They have uh, yeah. little Chucky, like, have his glowing red eyes at the screen, like, I got him now. And, th- and then it cuts to Elaine. Yeah, it, the it cut to Elaine, to Elaine. Is, is, I think, full. It, it still is vague. Like, are you bringing Guybrush mm. actually to the future? Or is it, are you, like, trying to hypnotize him in the past? Or yeah. is there time travel happening? Or is it just all mental? Um, how how much of what the player is seeing is the same as what Guybrush is seeing? Like, all of that stuff um, is vague. But then you see Elaine. It's like, okay, well, clearly the, then there there is a base reality here. And it is the high fantasy pirate adventure thing that you want it to be. So, like, mm. why why get that mad about it? Um, yeah, and yeah. in that way, I, I like the end of Monkey 2. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring this all up, because I was watching a video talking about Monkey Island, and they actually had the exact opposite opinion. They liked that... Uh, that they were saying they thought that the idea was it was all fake. It was all just a dream from modern day Guybrush. And he did not like that the future titles moved away from from that. Mm. And, and I didn't really agree with that. I mean, I one, think there's something because... to it. I think there's something to the idea of like... Like the future titles threw all of it away. And I, I mm-hmm. don't... I also don't like that. But it's... It, it's worth asking, like, okay, but is LeChuck Guybrush's brother at all? Because that could still that be could true. Be real. Yeah, that could be an interesting uh, thing. Yeah. Um, sorry, but go on. What else was he saying? Oh, that's it. I, was, I just thought it was interesting how he kind of w- had the opposite opinion that I did about... Uh, he liked that idea that it was all fake, all just a dream... And I was saying, well, one, like, obviously not because of Elaine and LeChuck mugging at the camera. Um, but two, I don't like this is just me. Obviously, everyone's going to have different feelings about it. But I don't like the idea of uh, this cool world, this whole cool world that you're building up just being fake. <laughs> I, I could see a very interesting take on it where the the future carnival world is additional rather than fake instead of or the replacement to. Um, yeah, and, like you were saying, like time travel or just something where they can both exist. One doesn't rewrite the other. Yeah, because I'm not going to I'm not going to get hung up on time travel when LeChuck is a demon zombie. Like, it's, I, I don't think one is more believable than the other. Right. Uh, um, so, I'm, I would be fine with that. I would be fine with a Monkey Island game that was entirely set in the carnival, and only at the very end do you go back to the, uh, to the pirate world. It, it, that'd be, that'd be interesting and fine to me. I don't, I don't care. Um, 
I feel like I wouldn't like that, but I would. Well, I guess I wouldn't like it because it. most Monkey Island games take like a decade to make now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you so wouldn't want it to if be that's the used. one that you get. But uh, if that weren't the case and you could just get another one, then if yeah. it was just a story you could explore with while knowing that there could be more after on the horizon. Yeah, I feel like uh, what they've said about Return to Monkey Island with it being very potentially the final Monkey Island game at least in the uh, the main arc of Monkey Island games that Ron Gilbert started. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it being any kind of way is sort of difficult to take. Because any as soon as it, you lock in what that game actually is, every other opportunity is closed. And I don't know what I want it to be. I have no idea. I I, I we'll do definitely see. want the the one thing I know I want is for it to really explore the theme park, and mm-hmm. like I I don't want it to be yet another game that ignores that. I hope Guybrush is in it. I hope Guybrush is in it, and I hope his face looks like a three segment piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> And has no other details. I hope that's well, what I, I hope. I well, I've got good news for you. No way. <laughs> you, okay, everyone listening, don't tell Ron about that. That's hashtag don't tell Ron. We, don't tell Ron. We it's just not. We've said this so many times on this podcast. It's not worth telling Ron about. Yeah, I, the way that it looks. <laughs> I'll I'll just say right now, I I am softening up on how it looks a little. I like some parts of it. And I, like, we just got that uh, magazine cover for PC Gamer with a big LeChuck on it. I do think the style works for characters like LeChuck who are less human. And I feel like it works for them a little better than characters like, say, Guybrush. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll settle into it when I play it. I think there's just, I, I, I like it in motion a lot more than any single image I've seen. I get I I get that. Um but so that I look at like the the guybrush face in some of the promo art and I think like man that 5 o'clock shadow is really distracting. If that I, could have I, been done with a bit more restraint that that would have been great. It really is just the 5 o'clock shadow that bothers me. A it's one thing guybrush has never had before and B it's very strong. Like it's a, it's a very strong gray that doesn't blend into his face at all. There's that and then there's also like with LeChuck, like his nose hole, he's had a nose hole and it makes mm-hmm. sense for a, like a decomposing face to have a nose hole. The cartilage falls off or whatever, but it just looks so in the way, like so distracting and large. <laughs> and I, I think most characters have one or two things like that, where it's like, this is one small element that is so distracting. And I would have appreciated just like a little more restraint with the character designs in, in this game on the whole. Um, I get that. But, you know, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> <we> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to tell Ron about it. Yeah, I'm not going to tell Ron. That's that's. <laughs> are you crazy? Are you are you insane? Have you listened you to this to podcast at all? Hashtag, that's the one we don't rule. tell Ron around here. That's the new hashtag. That's, that's the one rule of the show. The one rule of the show is we like Monkey Island enough to not tell Ron about how we like Monkey Island. 
<laughs> oh, I almost forgot something about this episode. You, so you know the you know the singing manatee that you find. Yep. Um. What? Well, I was gonna say one thing, but I feel like the more important thing to say is that it, the song he's singing is from Curse of Monkey Island, uh, the classic uh, "A Pirate I Was Meant to Be." Um. But the other thing I was gonna say is, did you see the name of the manatee? Mm, was it Dave? <laughs> Good guess. A little off. Its name is Hugh. Okay. Oh, the humanity. Okay. <laughs> humanity. Got it. That's a little. That's a little joke for you. That's a very small joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, to close out the episode, Guybrush and Mister Winslow uh, are following these beasts they've summoned. And then Morgan LaFlay shows up. She's trying to now get the rest of Guybrush's entire body. Uh, which is, it's a weird, it's weird that you need to phrase it like that. Uh, like, instead of, he's she's kidnapping Mr. Winslow, she's getting Guybrush's whole body. <laughs> uh, yeah. It gets the point across. But then all of a sudden, while they're talking, the beast's like start to swim away uh because they must know that the leviathan's coming it's a giant ass manatee i presumably named hugh i guess um (laughs) that is coming to swallow them all up and that's the end of the episode i love this hugh manatee there's a lot here that we didn't talk about we didn't talk about how two of mcgillicuddy's pirates are very clearly pirate of the caribbean references um like, oh are they i guess it's been so long since i've seen the movies it didn't occur to me well it's it's the two like uh hands that barbosa has like one of them ha- is skinny with like a, a bull cut kind of and one glass eye that keeps coming out uh mm. and then the other is fat with a really scraggly beard and short um, right and then that's what Trenchfoot and hardtack are in this game uh, it feels like it feels intentional um, to, to have this Pirates of the Caribbean reference, but within these two characters' designs, to mm. me it feels intentional. I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to say considering it didn't occur to me while playing through. But fair. <laughs> uh, I guess so. I I could see it. Um. Yeah. Also... There's a little. <laughs> oh, there's sorry, a little. Uh, there's a little callback. Uh, at one point, uh, when Anemone is fixing your ship the first time, uh, Guybrush whistles a little tune, and that tune is Largo Legrand's theme from Monkey Island 2. Thank you for pointing that out, because I knew I recognized it, but I couldn't place it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good... That's a good one. It's especially because right after he whistles that, he's like, why was that song stuck in my head? What is that song? <laughs> yeah i i love that the first time i played i didn't know what it was because i think i think i hadn't played monkey island 2 before tales no mm. i did i did i played i'm sure i played one and two and curse before tales um i think i'm wondering if the connection to Legrand is la esposa grande like just the use of the word grand twice 
I don't know. Ooh, maybe. It seems pretty loose. They weren't really talking about that when that happened. Yeah, I think it was just a cute little thing. Just a cute little thing. Who's um, this whittle, whittle guy? Uh, not on this podcast, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Uh, looking through my notes, looking through my notes, looking through my notes. I like it that Winslow won't sail you anywhere unless you point to it on the map because Winslow <laughs> likes when you point on the map. He says, I, I like when you point on the map. Um, he'll like start a full argument about it to the point where if Guybrush says, follow those beasts, Winslow goes, um, we've talked about this. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to point at the map. The Mr. map Guybrush. Uh, what a good character he's great he yeah he's really good i don't i don't know if he he will be we already talked about it last time i i hope they keep him around Here, here's one more thing um this game is, is from 2009 and of the games that were coming out in 2009 it was not like triple a in the way that it looked compared to like high hd console games of the time mm-hmm. um but it, it still has a nice quality to it uh with the with the amount of polygons they have access to they do a lot of neat looking things but one thing one such thing is that an aesthetic identity that this episode carries through a while is is like these little swirls yeah. What's up with that? Um, I don't know, but I really like it. So Guybrush's coat has a bunch of swirls on him, and I think it would look fine without him, but it looks all right with him, so it's it's fine. Um, the manatee has, like, swirls on it, just to give it some, its skin, some texture, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Every coat that you find, every coat is basically the same coat. Uh, Swirl City and Swirl City over here. Uh, um, Merciless Swan. Only we talked s- about that. The th- only thing I can think of is in Curse, the clouds are very swirly. Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder if they just wanted to work uh, that element into the world more. And I like it. <laughs> I like swirls. Yeah, I'm thinking that with the exception of Return to Monkey Island coming up, uh, maybe they are self-conscious about the fact that, like, no Monkey Island game they ever make will look like Curse again, because that's such an expensive thing to do. Even at the Mm -hmm. time it was, but now it feels like it's probably even more expensive just because um, you don't have a lot of just like common expertise in 2d animation around the industry anymore right um so like maybe these swirls are just uh, a, a grasp at something a little more painterly a little more um uh, aesthetically pleasing M- maybe. i could see that what kind of along those lines i could also see it being like all right well monkey one and two were this very pixelated uh style that doesn't necessarily set a precedent for how the world looks, but Curse is, like, fully illustrated. It does set how you view this world. So this is... We should stick to something similar to this, at least. 
Well, maybe. I mean, I, I can see that it might have come from Curse, but, like, this game looks nothing like Curse. This Guybrush looks yeah. nothing like Curse Guybrush at all. Um, Thank God. <laughs> I don't... I've decided I don't really care for Curse Guybrush. Yeah, he's not my fave. Um, I, I think the rest of the game is gorgeous. LeChuck doesn't look anything like Curse LeChuck. Uh, I mean, like, none of, none of the game looks like Curse. The only yeah. other games I've ever played that look anything like Curse of Monkey Island are the humongous games like uh, Pajama Sam and Putt-Putt. And none mm. of those... The third Pajama Sam game goes goes there a little bit, but really none of them go as hard as Curse of Monkey Island. Right. Um, they, they should. <laughs> they should. There, there should be a game that does it. There, I, I just yeah, can't imagine Yeah, a game that just ever looks like again. a 2D movie. I would love the Cuphead devs to do a, an adventure game at some point. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, hey, let's head into our segments. Well, one thing that we should also bring up is... Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mitch, I just want to be thorough. It's fine. Uh, it, it's just a small thing to bring up is how Elaine did not go with Guybrush. She, the plan was for Elaine to join Guybrush in getting La Esponja Grande. But she instead stays back with LeChuck because they have to return all of the uh, monkeys from his uh, voodoo spell. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that needs to happen. He's got to put back all these monkeys... That's an adventure in itself. Mm-hmm. I I wish they made a spin-off comic about Elaine and LeChuck's <laughs> adventures putting back the various monkeys. <laughs> the 12 monkeys of LeChuck. Yeah, I <laughs> I forgot that happened until you reminded me. <laughs> uh it, it's just, it's mostly just a way to make sure that Elaine and LeChuck are not involved in this manatee episode that's coming up. Mhm. Yeah. I, I do think this, I think in this episode especially, all three of the main recurring Monkey Island characters, Guybrush, Elaine, and LeChuck, all are very strong. Yet, none of There's them a lot of strong. are my weekly guy. Ooh, hoo, hoo. I'm interested. How's okay, that why for don't a we segue? How's that for a, <laughs> pulling my show back from the depths? Uh, I like that. My Yeah, Morgan LaFleur. I, lo- okay. I love Morgan LaFleur. She's great. Morgan's great. And this is a, her debut episode. Hits it out of the park. I'm into it. Um, yeah. Although I could... Mor- I also almost gave it to Elaine. He, I, I almost... I also almost gave it to Elaine. There's a lot of strong characters in this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Even though there's also some weak ones, like... I think the weakest in the episode's probably like the pirates who fight LeChuck in the jungle. Like they're just there to be generic pirates, but sure. whatever. They're you don't deal with them very long. It's fine. Yeah, I bet you picked LeChuck. I did pick LeChuck. Yeah, I of picked course. human LeChuck. Le- LeChuck He's did so great. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also almost picked Anemone. I feel like she is the best of the Mer people. Uh she just has a fun personality. She's joking around with Guybrush. But yeah, I had to give it to LeChuck. Uh, he does such a good performance. His design's great. And I just love the idea that he... Now he is trying to be like Guybrush Threepwood. It kind of ties into what you were saying before, how Guybrush is now an established famous pirate. Uh, there are now people who want to be like Guybrush. Yeah. Including LeChuck. Yeah, um, 
she she's i, I, I want to see i want to see where she goes i want to see where she goes i hope she's in return morgan yeah yeah i mean we saw her she was referenced in the trailer but that was like a scrapbook so that could just not tie into the story at all but it would be great if they brought her back it really depends on where they're gonna place this because we we discussed it before we don't know if it's going to take place right after two like the original plan was or like they've said they want to respect continuity so maybe it is just like the last game after tales even Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, we could see Elaine again, possibly. And of course, we'll see Elaine. I mean, Morgan. I'm getting my names confused this week. Morgan. There we go. You don't even have to choose. Um. And speaking of Morgan, my golden moment is the opening of the episode. It's the attack with Morgan and just her introduction. I thought that was it's, really it's fun. great. Yeah, it's it's a great intro to the episode. Uh, a lot stronger than the first episode's intro. Which got the job done fine. I do agree with you that it's not a good idea to have Elaine like actually be captured by LeChuck. But I this one really is a lot more exciting, I think. Yeah, and to the point where, like, in, in the player's minds, like, I don't care if Elaine's still in the picture or not. It's like, I'm Guybrush Morgan forever at this point. This is <laughs> I don't a know fun dynamic. Can... I don't know if I can go that far, but I do like their. <laughs> I I like this the is, relationship. This is Dustin. Dustin texted me his exact feelings, which is like, I don't care if Elaine lives or dies. I got it. <laughs> I got this text from Dustin as he's playing, and he says, "I don't care if Elaine lives or dies. I'm I'm I personally, Dustin Jackson, am marrying Morgan Lafay." <laughs> I hope there is an on-screen execution of Elaine, so Morgan can just take her place and Guybrush, so I can take his place. Yeah, she's the star. <laughs> um, my golden moment is helping LeChuck figure out the puzzle. That's good. Yeah, that, that was that's a really good one. That's up there. Yeah. Um, you know what? I do agree with you that the puzzles in this episode aren't necessarily the best, but I feel like it. this episode's really elevated by just everything else in it. I feel like it shines in a lot of areas in ways that I don't feel like the first episode really does. And I, I, I did enjoy the first episode, but I just feel like this one has more to admire, I think. Um, potent pickup? My potent pickup is um, The Hook. I was about to pick it, but I didn't. Did you pick, you didn't pick it? I'm very interested because I actually had two things written down. I couldn't pick between two things and just now I picked the hook. And so I'm glad yours is different. Well, what is the other one you did? 101 fish jokes. Okay, pretty good. Not what I picked either though. Uh, Well, the reason I like 101 fish jokes is uh, even though the puzzle with it's a little simple mm-hmm. and plain you can open up the book at any point and get another joke do you think there's actually Guy- 101 in there i don't know if there's 101 in there but there might be that i'd have i'll have to look it up <laughs> but none of the jokes are good they're just kind of shitty <laughs> it's like why why did the fish cross the road to prove it wasn't chicken why did the and fish Guy- <laughs> take the aspirin uh, it had a haddock. It had a haddock. <laughs> and every single one of these jokes, Guybrush is just like, eh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, haddock is such a stretch for headache, too. Th- yeah, that's... I I get it, but also, wow. Maybe woof. in the time period in which the book was written, the accent would have pushed those words closer together. 
Yeah, at the time, that was considered a hilarious Yeah, joke. that's basically a homophone. <laughs> uh, uh, is that all of them? Is that all of our segments? Well, no, I'm, my potent pickup. Oh, you have to say your potent pickup. My, my potent pickup is the day pass for the raft, because this is my favorite joke in the whole episode of uh, when you first arrive at Spinner K, you look at the raft and you talk to Anemone, who's like renting it out, and she mm-hmm. says... You can only have the raft, you can only use it if you have a day pass. Or or um, just if you're if you have if you've proven that you've purchased it. Um so then when you find Elaine and the Chieftain Beluga, you can ask Chieftain Beluga, hey, um, by the way, how do I go about getting a pass for the raft? And then Elaine says, Oh no, no, I got one. Don't worry about it. I was trying, I was doing my part to support the local economy, and I bought a few passes. So, like, (laughs) that's my favorite joke in the whole thing. She just, like, saw that something was for sale and was like, oh, I I just have to do my part and I have to buy it. Yeah, it didn't matter what it (laughs) was. It did not matter what it was. She had no intention of getting on the raft ever. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She didn't know Guybrush was going to show up. She, yeah, she just wanted to help support the local economy. She bought more than one, and she's the only person in her party there. <laughs> That's so wow. good. It, it is. It's very good. But that also reminds me, we do have another segment, Linguistic Gymnastics. Yeah. Um, one, one thing yeah. I'll say is I feel like there weren't a whole lot of like super funny lines in this episode, mm-hmm. but... I still had some. I still had a, a good enough amount. And I feel like there were enough uh, funny situations that made up for, even if it doesn't have the funniest dialogue, like I thought the whole thing with the Chuck was great. Um, but there's some lines in there. I only have one that Ooh, we haven't what talked is about it? yet. Which is from... Can I say mine first? Yeah. I, I want to yeah, 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 hope yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. didn't get it. Just let me do this one and then you can do yours. Um, so it's when you're talking to the two pirates, uh, I'm glad you got their last names cause I got their first names, uh, Merkel and Killick. Um, <laughs> okay. Killick looks like he's been vomiting all over himself. First of all, um, like they're all, they all have the pox, but he is the only one with like big vomit stains on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're talking to them. They're arguing over what to do with, uh, the artifact. And you're like, oh, what's going on, guys? And Killick says, Merkel won't give me the artifact so I can decide where to bury it. And Guybrush says, Merkel, is this true? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The delivery just kills me. Okay, so that that was my top one. What's your one you have? Uh, Well, there's one where you're asking. You can ask anyone about DeCava, who uh, was introduced as the person who's looking for the, uh, the sponge. And Anemone says, oh, you mean Crazy Sponge Guy? He was looking for a sea urchin or something. (laughs) Uh, That's it. That's all I got. That's good. Yeah. Okay, I I got a few more. Um, A couple more anyway. So one thing I like, I don't know if this was like specifically for this part or if it's just something Guybrush says if it's like the wrong thing you're supposed to do. But I, I think it's when I was clicking on the cannon or using, trying to use an item on the cannon. I forget what it was, but Guybrush says, uh, I know that seems like a good idea, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. I think he um, says that last episode as well. 
in, in yeah, so some, it might it might just in, be the generic thing he says when it's not what you're supposed to do yeah that's that makes it funnier <laughs> i like that that's I, I know that seems like a good idea but no Mm-mm. um another one is uh when guybrush makes the manatee sing the toy manatee and he's doing his goofy dance uh this dance by the way they reuse this animation in back to the future when uh uh marty is at the science fair um i forget when it is but i remember him doing it but anyway it sings a pirate i was meant to be trim the sails and roam the sea and guybrush is doing his little dance and he just does the most pathetic yay (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, my last one is when McGillicuddy has uh, Chieftain Beluga tied up, and Chieftain Beluga's telling him, like, uh, don't you know anything about people? If you if you dunk me in the water, I'll be able to breathe. And he says, uh, I don't need to know nothing. I got the pox. I like that one as well. That, <laughs> yeah. That's good. There's some funny stuff. Um, well... I believe that's our episode for today, Dustin. It is our episode, Mitchell. Mitchell? Mitchell. <laughs> I combined your first and last name. All right. Be careful with that. I that can yeah, hurt people. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, come visit us again, listener. <laughs> join join us again next time. We'll come we'll, visit us again we'll, where we'll talk about we'll episode keep... 3 of Tales of we'll Monkey keep... Island. We'll keep your seat warm. Layer of the Leviathan. Layer of the Leviathan. Good name. These are all great names. Yeah. I like them all. The Siege of Spinner K. Yeah. The I had, I had the it written, Screaming Narwhal. I had it written down in my notes when McGillicuddy starts attacking Spinner K. I wrote down, oh no, it's a siege on Spinner K. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was lightly attacked and it definitely felt... Uh, <laughs> Like, oh, this is where the name of the... Yeah, okay. Yeah, but then he leaves, like, right after. Yeah, it was it was not a particularly destructive siege. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do agree with you. I get where you're coming from on this episode being weak, but I don't know. I feel like just what they do with the world, I liked. What they did with LeChuck. And all the characters bring it a pretty fair amount, and Morgan being introduced. I feel like this episode does have some pretty good strengths. It, it's yeah. no, it's no Moai better blues. I think, yeah, it's it's not it's not terrible. Um, it it felt maybe like season one Sam and Maxie, and not like the yeah. best episode of that, but not like the worst either. Um, it, the first episode having just this mysterious island that the winds only bl- uh, blow in and no one can leave, and that creates like this self sustaining weird economy where certain things are prized way higher than they should be. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that whole thing has so much character to it. And I think this episode was relying on like, aren't mermaids interesting? And in this game structure, they kind of are just like any other NPC. Yeah, but I I still got a lot. I feel like it adds a lot to the world. So uh, that might be why I like it more than uh, some other people do at least. That is fair. And we'll talk about more fair things next time we'll see you goodbye